This is the Work and With series, presented by your host, Hayley Sudbury. Listen in each month to find out who we're working with. Hayley sits down with some of the world's most exciting leaders and entrepreneurs to chat about the companies they love, their definition of success, and the real secret behind it all, their superpower. I'm here in our offices this morning, so thanks for coming in, Michelle, with Michelle Kennedy, who's the co-founder of Peanut. Peanut is about meeting as mamas and connecting as women. I love it. Michelle, welcome. Thank you very much. Why don't you tell me a little bit about Peanut and and why you started it? Yeah, so my background was working in dating. So I'd been working in the dating industry for six years. So I remember when dating was web. Um, And the the coolest technology we had was WAP. Um, And we were using short codes as a way to to kind of monetize the premium features. So it was that long ago, which actually in its own way was very revolutionary. And I remember kind of the emergence and, of course, witnessed the emergence of apps like Tinder and really kind of driving that social change and social um, acceptability and obviously was part of Bumble too. So for me, being part of that journey, seeing dating move from being quite niche to something that everyone was doing in the pub on a Friday night was so exciting and really inspiring. I wasn't dating in my personal life, obviously. and um, You were in a relationship. I was. I was married. <laughs> Unfortunately, um, and fortunately, in case my husband's listening. So you've never actually used dating apps? I didn't. Some of my best friends have met on dating apps, um, getting married, you know, that kind of thing. It was so exciting. I had had this idea when I had my little boy three and a half years ago. I was extremely frustrated by what was out there for mothers from a kind of technology point of view, just in, even in terms of UX and UI, anything that was out there felt clunky, outdated. It didn't feel like other products that I was using on my phone. So whether it was an Uber or Instagram or Snap or any of the Pinterest, any of those things, and it came to motherhood and it was like, here's an agency build that we've skinned or here's another forum. And it felt really frustrating. I didn't like the tone of voice. I didn't recognize it. Didn't feel like me. Felt quite old school. And so I just felt like the technology was there. I just wanted to take what was there and apply it to a different vertical motherhood. So that was the kind of frustration on a much more kind of personal note. It was quite lonely having a little one. I had been, you know, very senior position at Badoo, around people all the time, very engaged, working long hours, loving it. I loved what I did. And all of a sudden you're at home and it's two o'clock in the afternoon and you're with this tiny person who actually doesn't really do anything at that point and you're not around people. Your girlfriends are at work. Um, so how long did you take off for maternity leave? Five months. Okay. Um, and you were going crazy? I was absolutely... I just didn't know what to do with myself, and I didn't know what to do with him, actually, as well. <laughs> you know, silly expectations that you have, well, I'll go to the park. Of course not when they're six weeks old. Of course you're not going to the park. What are you going to the park for? And it was winter. Or I'll go to a baby class. Actually, you're not allowed for the first, you know, several weeks uh, because <laughs> they're going to get an infection or whatever it is, and it's terrifying. You feel this huge burden of responsibility. I walk around the house singing to him. You know, he probably just wanted to sleep. In fact, he definitely did. And um, it was quite a strange period. And I felt this very overwhelming sense of loss of identity. I knew who I was as kind of corporate Michelle. 
I knew who Michelle the friend was, all of these things, but Michelle the mother was all of a sudden this very strange person who didn't really have their um, stuff together. Um, and I think I constantly felt like I wasn't really getting it right. I'd see other women kind of in the area that I lived, they looked really together. That freaked me out as well. Um, and I just thought, I can't be the only person who feels like this. So obviously to me it felt like a natural progression take the algorithms that we're using for dating and apply it to women so that I can meet someone else who's kind of going through the same thing as me who maybe doesn't actually want to spend all day talking about baby poop which of course is fine too but you know just a a touch of kind of me um so that was the concept and the idea I'd had and then I went back to work um and very quickly we started working on Bumble and so kind of that that became the focus. Still always had the idea about peanut. Um, it kind of got to halfway through um, 2015. I was starting to feel a bit restless, still had this idea and my problem had actually just morphed into a different one. So my problem now was I'm doing a nursery dash and you know right. dropping Finn at nursery, dashing off to work wasn't seeing the other women. Finn, by this point, is asking for play dates with Oliver. I didn't know who Oliver's mommy was. Um, again, feeling like I'd failed. Again, feeling like, gosh, why is this so hard? And how are these other mommies meeting each other? And how do they hang out? Um, and so I just thought, it's kind of now or never. I left um, in January 2016. Stayed on the board of both companies. Bills. Um, uh, thank you. Um, and kind of, you know, research my market again properly this time. You know, what had changed, what was different. Um, and there had been some moves forward in the space, but really nothing kind of nailing what I wanted to do. Even just in from a marketing perspective, how I would approach these women, what would speak to me. Um, and everyone seems to treat women who have had children with like kick gloves, it's a totally different kind of approach. Well, no, we're, st- we're still women. Um, well, you're still human. And we, right, and, and, and can we just kind of, you know, speak to them in the same way that we've been speaking to them, you know, their whole life up until this point. So um, we started building Peanut in September last year. But was there, was there a, a turning point? Though, I mean, was there money that was raised in September? Sure, what yeah. Was the... yeah. So, actually, when I first raised money, I raised off the back of me in a deck. Um, I had no team, <laughs> no product. Um, and I think probably at that point, my naivety in terms of fundraising, because of the background I'd come from, where that had never really been an issue before, was probably a good thing. Um, so I, I didn't know where the pitfalls were necessarily and it probably was good because I was extremely confident, I knew what I was going to do, I knew how I was going to do it and anyone who said, well, do moms really need this? You know, it was incredulous to me, I'd be like, what? Yes, yes, <laughs> you how many moms have you spoken to? Um, and so the fundraising process was interesting. Um, I raised very quickly from one VC. Um, within 48 hours actually which was amazing Um, he was great he completely understood he liked my background Um, and then it became a matter of really trying to find someone else who I felt that they understood as well Um, and so we closed around started building 
built the team, important. Met my co-founder actually prior to that, also important. Um, and it was, it was just exciting. It is exciting. Um, you know, when you're a very small team, you're sitting in a room, you're building, you're thinking about the component parts, how you, how this is going to work, how do you minimise rejection, all of those different points. And we always knew that the kind of social discovery element of Peanut was just the first feature, the hook. Um, and, you know, we were going to build on that. So we launched in February. It was meant to be kind of a soft launch, beta, get it out there, test it. Kind of didn't go that way, kind of blew. Beta on the app store. Yeah, it was, it, you know, it was meant to be one of those things where new, no one really knew. Um, you know, we'll just do a few, kind of seed it with women that we know and just make sure that we've got it right. And then people were downloading the beta and it's like, no, wait a week, please. <laughs> um, and, I mean, we learned a lot from that as well. We did, a, that was a very, very, you know, long week, that week of really kind of pulling in those improvements. Um, and then I think the response was just amazing. And to me, just testament to the fact that women wanted to use a product like this. Um, we really saw immediate and amazing feedback. And then we started to see women across the US using it. Wow. Um, so, you know, you'd see someone in Charlotte or someone in Nashville or wherever it was, you'd see you'd see these, these women, but also these pockets of users where there was density. So Dallas, Chicago, LA, um, San Francisco, and obviously we'd, we'd kind of seeded in New York, and New York was really growing. Um, London, yay, um, and seeing that kind of grow. So it was, that was amazing. Um, and for me, definitely beyond our expectations in terms of where we expected to be. We're only six months in. Um, and, you know, we've been featured by Apple at WWDC. Um, we've had amazing coverage, which has been great, because I think the most important thing is that women or your user feels like they understand your story. What, what is the product for? Why do you need to use it? Um, and I think that women really took the product and felt like it was, yeah, this is our chance to kind of tackle a subject that perhaps people weren't talking about. I don't think it's massively comfortable to talk about loneliness um, or isolation. And I felt like we were giving people a voice to be able to do that. And it sounds trite, but it, it's not meant to be. I think, I think people were finally able to say, yeah, I felt like that, or I do feel like that. So that's, that's us to date. And you're currently in the UK and the US. Other countries, is there plans for... Obviously, we, world domination. Global domination, next on my list. Um, we get messages from, from women all over um, the world. We also see that women are using, through the UK and US app stores, um, Peanut. So I was in France recently, in Paris, for a, a talk, opened the app, and I can see a woman from Oklahoma using Peanut in Paris. Amazing. Um, so we do see women using the app stores. It will come. I'm really, really obsessed with making sure that we do something in a thoughtful way. If I want to say that Peanut is a product which has, you know, UX and UI integrity, that is very kind of product focused, then it has to feel native wherever you are. And that means we have to localise properly. So it, it won't be tomorrow. But it will be soon. Wow. And am I right in understanding you, you've done all of this, over 100,000 users, really major cities in the UK and the US with four people? Yes. <laughs> We're a very tiny 
tiny team. It's five of us actually. Uh, wow. We're very, we're a very tiny team. So there's Greg and I. Greg is my co-founder. And he's a technical co-founder? Yeah, right. he's my CTO. Um, he's your full stack guy. Yeah. He's DevOps. DevOps. Everything. He's, he's basically everything. Architecture, data analytics, <laughs> you know, mental coach for me when I'm kind of getting obsessed on something as well. He is brilliant. Obviously, he has experience. He's done it before as well. He was the co-founder of Deliveroo. Um, so he's kind of seen that scale. He um, not only is a brilliant technician, but he's, from a um, hiring perspective, he looks at hiring in a completely different way to anyone I've ever come across before. He's always looking at um, kind of people's soft skills and then, you know, the the kind of harder skills. Um, We have two incredible members of the team directly, you know, from Greg and we wouldn't You'd be where we are without them. Wow. Um, Simona, who is our head of mobile, she is probably one of the most amazing women I've ever met. I'm just fascinated by her. She's a mum of two. She's just finished her PhD in machine learning whilst building Peanut. Um, And her kind of dedication to Peanut and her real understanding of the problem as well is incredible. Wojtek is our designer. He absolutely looks at design with the most amazing focus perfectionist detail you know i see him sometimes he's measuring across the screen to make sure that things are even (laughs) pixel perfect exactly he's he's amazing and then hannah used to work with me um she's great she does brand um she actually does everything that i wish i could do um she really brings vibrancy to to peanut and the tone of voice and she understands it and we're very lucky but yes that's us little five of us and i must ask and i thought of this when i i was looking at the app i have friends a couple who've recently had a baby and before they they gave birth they referred to the baby as peanut yeah um i'm taking it baby this is a common it's (laughs) true i think i read somewhere that when i was pregnant that the baby was the size of a peanut and that was it, stuck. So in my office at the time, he was always, or the baby, we didn't know it was a he at that point, was always referred to as Peanut. Um, so he will always be little Peanut. That's wonderful. Peanut aims to break down much of the stigma about motherhood. Mm. How do you think that plays out for mothers when they return to the workplace? And what more do you think can be done? I think returning to the workplace as a mother, particularly if you are the first or one of very few, can be very challenging um, and I found it challenging for myself um, also I'd suddenly suddenly become the she's a mum now um, <laughs> felt 100 years old um, doesn't that make you a superhuman though yeah I, I mean for me I know that mothers are superhuman I know that they have been up since you know 6am they've made packed lunches they've got kids to school now they're going to do their day in between all of that they're going to arrange a play date or they're going to, you know, make sure the child has the right vaccinations or inoculations or, you know, that piano lesson is going to happen. And then they're still going to kill it at work. Then they're going to go home, do bedtime and start work again. I know all of these things. I think what becomes difficult when you're first going back into work is that slight, um, you feel almost a bit torn. I want to be at work. I want to be seen to be at work. I want people to think that I'm the same me that left. But equally, I know that something has to change. 
whether it's my working hours, whether it's my working practice, how efficient I have to be in order to get through everything. Um, and I think that that feeling of being torn can weigh heavily because you don't want anyone to think that you're doing a bad job at either. Um, and that's a huge burden. I think that going back to work as I did full time is extremely challenging as well because you want to, the face time is important, the interaction is important. It took me a while to realise it's nowhere near as important as getting the job done. Um, my background way back when I used to be a corporate lawyer and it was very much about kind of you don't leave the office until the partner's left the office. You leave your suit jacket on the back of the chair if you're going to the pub just to make it look like you're coming back. You know, that was very much the culture. That's how you operated. And FaceTime and being seen in the office was extremely important. What I think I realised, probably not quickly enough, is we're always working now. We have phones that make us completely accessible at any time. We don't need to have that FaceTime as much as we feel we should. Um, and it's almost that we need people to give us permission to say, I don't care where you work, I don't care when you work, as long as you get the work done. And actually, harping back to Simona, but I think she's a perfect example of it, you know, as a developer, you're working strange hours anyway, you might be coding at 2am. That might be when you're kind of really in your zone and focused. Simona can do it anywhere, but she will leave our office religiously at quarter to five every single day to go and take her girls, pick up her girls, take them home, do dinner, do homework, put them to bed. And then she's committing code at, you know, 3 a.m. I'm not saying that's right. <laughs> and I'm not saying that everyone should do that. But it does mean that FaceTime in the office is not as important as it used to be. Um, and I think often going back into the office, having been on mat leave, that can feel conflicting. And having an organisation that supports you to say, we recognise you and your talent, we know how good you are, we know how dedicated you are, just get it done. And how you do that is up to you. That was a message that I felt I perhaps didn't receive, or maybe I wasn't ready to receive it, actually. And I put an enormous amount of pressure on myself and my family to kind of be seen and be back and be normal Michelle. And I think that's, that's very difficult and we probably have to change that. And things are changing, but we have to keep having the conversation so that it becomes normalised. What would you tell your managing partner, say, of the former law firm? Yeah. If, you know, you were in the situation you were now as a new mother... What would be your advice to him or her to get the firm into a place that was much more supportive of, I don't know, flexible working generally? And I think flexible working is good for men and women too. Absolutely. What would you say to that managing partner with the, the learnings you have now? Don't let that talent go. There are brilliant people doing amazing roles and the old uh, culture has to go, we have to move on, we're always on, we're always online, don't let that go, um, Work. find a way to make it work, and I must say, as an aside, my old managing partner was wonderful, Kevin, hi, <laughs> um, nothing at you, um, but generally in corporates, you know, don't let that talent go, I speak to a lot of people who, who are working actually in banking, and it's very, very difficult, um, and this massive talent 
is kind of exiting because they don't feel that they can go back to the role that they once did. And I think the message has to be, it doesn't have to be exactly the same. It can be the new version. And the new version can be just as efficient and just as effective um, and just as rewarding for the company. But it's okay to change it. It doesn't have to stay the same. Couldn't have said that better myself. You've spoken very fondly, I think, of your, your past career and even your former uh, managing partner, yeah. Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> who will have to get on the series as well. Kevin, he'd love to. <laughs> I'm sure of it. Who is it that has championed you along the way? Do you know, I've met some incredible people along my journey, whether it's when I was at law school, university actually, and there was this amazing law lecturer and she was the only woman in the faculty and every day she wore these amazing Manolos and she always smelt divine and we were disgusting students in Sheffield and she would walk in and I used to think, she's amazing, I want to be her. Norma, hi. Um, so whether it was someone like Norma and then when I was training, um, I had another amazing um, lawyer, Claire Jane, who was absolutely tough, so tough on me. I was terrified of her. I never wanted to let her down. Um, but my biggest champion and my biggest um, supporter always told me when I was doing something wrong. I learned so much from her. Um, I'm still in touch with her today and um, someone who has been hugely influential to me because, again, she was the youngest partner at that firm. Um, and she'd kind of deflected all of the, um, oh, she's a female partner. or You know, she, she, she went through it and she was amazing to me. And she always had women around her. It was her team. There were guys, obviously, but her team were women and I loved it. Um, she always kind of supported and championed women and I suppose that's where I kind of learned that from. Um, when I joined Badoo, Badoo was a very different world to, to anything I'd encountered before. I met Andre, the founder. He is an unusual guy um, and he really, I learned a huge amount from him um, and I have a huge amount of respect for him because he did something that no one else was doing, when no one else was talking about dating, when no one else was talking about, you know, meeting up or social discovery or any of those things. He was doing it. Um, and he was thinking about ways to monetize in a way that no one had done it. You know, short codes were for ringtones on your Nokia. They weren't for monetizing dating. So he really taught me, I think, to stand back and look at the world in a different way. And mentors are hugely important, whether it's guys or, or women, it doesn't matter. If you see a skill set in someone that you don't have and you want to learn that skill set, it is hugely important to kind of follow them, look at them, learn. Um, I'd come from legal. <clears throat> As a lawyer, you're trained to be risk averse. You're trained to find the risk and avoid it. And being an entrepreneur is completely different. You know, you see the risk and you do it anyway. Um, so you have to surround yourself with people who are doing that and who you can admire and you see what they're doing and you think, okay, I understand. So, yeah, I've been very fortunate in that way. So from my perspective, you've had incredible success very quickly and I think understanding the consumer 
with Peanut having been a mother and faced um, the challenges that you did and you know wanting to wanting to solve them. Can you can you tell me about maybe a, a pivotal moment that got you to these one hundred thousand users that you know got your beta users on board? Well, there might be one, there might be two. Are you able to share a little bit more about that? You know, I think the pivotal moment for Peanut. And I can't tell you when it happened, but the pivotal moment for me was when I got off a flight, and it's my favourite thing, wherever I am, I open Peanut just to see other women here. Um, And I got off a flight uh, to LA, and I opened Peanut, and the women around kind of that area that I was in, there were so many, and I kept going through profile after profile, and there were more. I couldn't believe it. And kind of fast forward a couple of weeks... I was meeting um, with someone, walked out of the meeting and had an email from Good Morning America saying that they wanted to do a piece on us. Well, for me, for Good Morning America to know who we were, this, you know, tiny little startup in London was unbelievable. I, cu- I couldn't register it. I think I was a mixture of completely exhausted because it had been a long week and completely excited and they came over to, to my house actually to, to do the, um, the B-roll and they said, can we film you with Finn? And I was like, well, it's 9.30 at night, he's actually asleep. But okay, you're Good Morning America, kind of <laughs> crept into Finn's bedroom, hooshed him up the bed a bit and started reading to him. He's like, drew, like droopy eyes, like, what's going on, mummy? Um, and I think that was incredible because it meant that they'd heard about it from multiple sources around the US because that's what they do. They're watching kind of uh, trends. And I think that was the moment where I thought, this is a thing people are using it and you get the emails from women saying thank you so much or you know and that's amazing but you always don't quite believe it I don't know why I've got a weird thing where I'm always like I mean that's great and and then you're like wow this is this is a thing and this is happening amazing wow so good morning America was the moment that for me that was the moment if I came to work for you tomorrow, and I just might at this rate, great. what would be the first thing I'd notice about the way you do things at Peanut? We're very focused. The team is very focused. Um, we work hard, um, particularly because I think Simona and I have to get home to be mommy before we switch on again. Um, and we have a lot to get through. We, we're very kind of heads down and focused. Um, we're very passionate so you will often hear kind of heated debates about a very very tiny point that probably no one will notice but we're very kind of passionate and everyone really believes in what we're doing Um, and probably I mean our email is Team Peanut and I, I kind of laughingly set that up but actually it's really true it does feel like a real team um I don't want to say we're like a family because I think that's really trite but we do have a huge amount of respect for each other and I think that's really important everyone is really important everyone mucks in if there's something that you know someone else doesn't know how to do we're all kind of picking up and doing it um and that's probably part of being a small team it's probably part of Greg being, you know, recruiter extraordinaire and finding amazing people. It's probably um, 
partly to do with Hannah telling me when I'm you know being neurotic as well um so I think I think we all just have this passion and I think that's probably the thing that you would notice most what is your superpower I'm sensing there might be more than one you know I think my obsession is my superpower actually because I'm always looking at, at different things and often it's nothing to do with motherhood and it's those other verticals which I'm really interested in that inform the product and make it different. So whether that is anything to do with, I don't know, shopping, to dating, to gaming, to whatever it is, I'm always looking across all of those different things. Um, and that's an obsession because it means I'm, you know, I find it difficult sometimes to turn my brain off, which I think is why I'm a horrible sleeper. But I think that is a superpower because if you can take what you can see people doing and apply it to a different vertical if your vantage point is different to other people's then the way you solve the problem will always be slightly different and I think that is an important um, power that I'm still developing. So it sort of sounds like an obsessive astronaut's view. Love that. I'll give you Definitely that. sounds clam. I'm going to go with it. Yes. You've mentioned quite a few people as we've had the conversation today, from people who help you build a business to your career. But when things get tough, who do you pick up the phone to? My long-suffering husband, I think. Poor Rich. Um, he is also very rational and very supportive, but he never, ever kind of mollycoddles me. He'll never say, oh, it's fine, it will be okay. It's just not who he is. So if I'm having a kind of weepy moment, and I do have them, oh, I don't know about this. Um, <laughs> he's like, okay, so get yourself together, go and, you know, get a coffee, and then get back on it, because this is your company, what are you doing? He's also the person who knows when it's time to just stop talking and let's just watch some terrible TV. I'm obsessed with bad TV. I watch all sorts of terrible TV at terrible times of the night when I can't sleep. And um, he's always the person who is like, shall we watch an episode of terrible TV series? <laughs> um, so I think from that perspective, him and probably my mum. My mum is definitely not from any, nothing like this world. Um, she's one of 16 and from, you know, Ireland and very, very different upbringing to everything she gave me. And because of that, I think she's incredibly strong. She doesn't necessarily know exactly what I'm doing, I think, but she is the most savvy, um, inspiring woman I know who, no matter what I'm going through, you kind of know that she's done a million things harder than I've ever had it. And if she says it's going to be okay, it's probably going to be okay. You know, it's that feeling. Um, so probably my mum. How important do you think it is, though, to have diverse talent? So not just women, but you know, different people running companies. It's hugely important. It goes back to that point that I made earlier about vantage points. Everyone has a different vantage point. And if you have all the same people with the same vantage point in your organisation, it will only go in one direction because that's the only way they can see. If you have people who have come from different backgrounds, different educational experiences, different work experiences, different cultures, 
it all gives a different vantage point so that you then open up the opportunities to grow and you open up the direction in which you can go. And you might end up going down a direction you would never thought of because of this person who has a completely different kind of vantage point. So it's hugely important. Um, for me also, I think it's really important to spot people early. They might not come in your mould. They might not come in your educational mould, but maybe they approach a problem in a completely different way. And that's exciting. It opens the world up. And I think that that is just hugely important to, to inform the direction of a company with lots of different backgrounds and people with different um, approaches and attitudes can only be a success. Otherwise, you won't be able to get out of the, the confounds of how you think. You can't just hire in your own mould. So what does success look like for you? I mean, you're already kicking some big goals, but what does the future hold? Um, I would like to see Peanut really evolve into a name synonymous with motherhood and, and modern motherhood and really embracing that whole vertical. I think we can do it. I'm probably going to have to be a little bit more patient. It's not going to happen tomorrow. Um, but I, I, I would like to do that. There are so many things that Peanut can use its platform to do and whether that's to speak more openly about flexible working, whether it's to speak more openly about women in the workplace, women in STEM, any of those things, we have the opportunity to use our platform to do it because we have women in our organisation who are living it, who have lived it. Um, and I think that's really important for, for me as well to be able to do that because it's probably something I've never been able to do historically. Um, so I think this is a, a huge opportunity to do that. And so I think that will be success for us when we can really, you know, become that voice until it's normalised, until we don't need to talk about those issues anymore because everything is a really good mixing pot. I think that's our aim. So I love the, the modern motherhood. I mean, you strike me, you know, you're someone who has looked at a lot of verticals. I mean, is there thinking around taking it into things like, you know, the gay dads that are adopting? I mean, surrogacy is a big thing. Is there thoughts about how to do that or are you going to do that? I imagine you probably are. Yeah, are smiling? I must say, when we first came out and we were talking about women because I you know we, we have many closed doors we're only I we were only iOS up until two weeks ago and we were only Facebook login so it was and only women who have children so it was a very small kind of and we're starting to open some of those doors we've just launched Android we're just introducing a new login method are we going to add you know other user bases never say never of course there is a huge opportunity here for people who are perhaps not yet parents, but see themselves as parents, or, you know, dads who are very vocal and send me very many emails about how horrible I am and how sexist I am. I'm sorry, dads. So never say never. It's coming. We're thinking about it. Having started your career in law, now to find yourself working in tech, what would you say to people who might be thinking of moving into tech but don't have a tech background? Why can't you do it? Why can't it be you? I never really felt like the other lawyers that I knew. <laughs> um, and 
I didn't know that there was another option. You know, when I was growing up, my mum was very much like, you're going to be a doctor or an accountant or you're going to be a lawyer. Well, I was absolutely horrible at science. Horrible. Could just about get through maths and so it was law. And that's not right. There is no box. There are so many opportunities out there, whether it's in engineering, whether it's in tech, whether it's in product, whether it's in UX, all of those creative All of those amazing opportunities are out there. And go and ask people for some work experience. There's no shame in it. I think I have always operated on the basis of so much pride that I didn't like to ask for things. And when someone asks me, I think they're amazing. I can't wait to bring them into Peanut to do a couple of weeks work X with us, why not? Um, So why can't you change it? Go and ask people. Ask people for introductions who you know, to ask them to bring you in and give you, you know, a couple of weeks taste to see if you like it. Maybe you won't like it, but maybe you'll see one area that you do enjoy. Really, go and try. What's the worst? You can always go back to being a lawyer or whatever. Well, I think I'm coming into a handbook experience tomorrow. Yeah, great. <laughs> well, Michelle Kennedy, it has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you for your time. Thanks so much for having me. You've been listening to the Workin' With podcast series. You can find us on iTunes and at workinwith.com. That's W-E-R-K-I-N with.com. dot